Having a streamlined procurement process and a clear procurement strategy is essential to ensure your organization is able to meet its business goals, ranging from profitability to sustainability and more. This is Smart Consulting Sourcing, the only podcast about consulting procurement or how to buy consulting services. You'll get tips on how to use consulting, buy consulting, and managing the consulting. Tips and tricks from the pros. Let's do this. This is Smart Consulting Sourcing. And now your host, Ellen Lafitte. Hello and welcome back to Smart Consulting Sourcing, the only podcast about consulting procurement. I am Hélène and today we will be talking about a French government controversy about the budget for consulting services. However, before that, let me give you a recap of the podcast from last week. Organization that can demonstrate strong sustainable sourcing and social responsibility credentials can gain a competitive edge, improve their brand and increase client, investor and customer trust. Social responsibility is something that would be beneficial for everyone. And it goes hand-to-hand with public relations because doing a good deed and getting the word out into the community is what makes it work. In the consulting industry, social responsible clients will have better deals, better relationships with their consultants, and therefore better results. And at the end of the day, that is why you hired consultants, right? But today is a special episode. Because for once, we're adding the video to the audio. The video will be available on the YouTube channel in the interview sections. This week, I wanted to discuss why is the French government pouring so much money into consulting. But before we start today's podcast, I'd like to introduce my listeners to a very special guest who's here with us today. Monsieur Laurent Thomas, my co-founder, former EVP at Solvay and former senior partner at Oliver Wyman. Laurent and myself have deeply researched about today's topics and have read closely the detailed report by, made by the Senate Commission here in France. So according to a recent study from the French Senate, Emmanuel Macron's administration and other public organizations have signed contracts for at least 2.4 billion euros with consulting companies since 2018 for work on subjects ranging from the introduction of coronavirus vaccination to digital transformation. According to the report from the inquiry committee made up of a group of senators and laid by the opposition, consulting expenses have more than doubled since the beginning of Macron's tenure as French president, with a sharp acceleration in 2021, up 45% from the previous year due to the pandemic. The Senate investigations team, which criticized opacity and lack of accountability in the use of consulting firms, gave a comprehensive evaluation of consultancy spending. Laura and I have looked into the report from a strategic and procurement standpoint to give you the keys to decipher this controversy? Well, the first thing we need to look at is why do governments use consulting? Indeed, the use of consultants in the public sector is not that different from the use of consultants in the private one. Consultants are used to support decision-making, strategic plan, feasibility studies, uh, anticipate the impact of such and such, uh, new ways of working, or to support and accelerate the implementation of those decisions. So setting up a project management office, change management, or implementation of IT projects. So I've read in a newspaper that um, the increase in strategic spending 
for the French government was a sign of a lack of trust in the administration and the civil servants. What's your, what's your take on that? Not really. Uh, in my view, it's a mistake to oppose consultants and collaborators. The two should work together and provide complementary skills and knowledge. They know they are experts about how to reframe a question or how to analyze a question, and you, the collaborators, know in depth uh, their activity. It is true, however, uh, you might have read that uh, here and there, that when a task is asked from both in parallel and without knowledge that the same task has been asked from consultants, one can only wonder if uh, the government is not wasting money. So maybe the right question is, is the French government spending too much money in consulting? So if you look closely at the expenses, in particular in 2021, so the government spent 800 million euros. But when you look at it, actually only 25% is dedicated to management consulting and the rest is IT related. So, and it makes sense if we know that the French government has gone through a digital transformation of the last 10 years. Uh, for instance, uh, we, we uh, do our tax return online in a few clicks. I know that our uh, US friends will be very glad to hear about that. Uh, we can ask for a driving license completely online from A to Z. Um, we have a, a, a website that regroups all public service that called servicepublic.fr, which is kind of the uh, a hub for all the public service. So a lot of things have happened on the digital transformation side. And actually, the expenses were higher before 2014 and, and started grow again when Macron became president. Of course, we are excluding the pandemic part, which is like made the expenses grow much faster. But indeed, we are in a period of crisis, or we are just out of it. But we are looking at historical data from 2019, 2020, 2021, when uh, the, the pandemic uh, crisis hit uh, the most, and there was a lot of uncertainty. And when there is a lot of uncertainty and you want to anticipate the future, anticipate the consequence of decisions, and uh, uh, decide what you want to do fast, uh, using consultants kind of makes sense. And uh, when you... Uh, when you're in a high change situation like a merger, if I make a parallel with, uh, with the, um, the private sector, there is always an increase in consulting cost. I remember when uh, I was at Solvay, the consulting cost after the merger with Rodia and afterwards after the, the merger with, uh, with SciTech almost tripled. And then they, they, they went back to, uh, to normal. Uh, in the present case, the increase is associated with uh, digital spend, as you said and uh, to the COVID situation. And a few years ago, it was linked to the, uh, all the studies and implication of Brexit. Yeah, so, so e e indeed, um, if we look at our, our European neighbors and naming countries that are comparable in size and influence, like the UK and Germany, we see that France is spending less in consulting than those countries. And even if you compare to the private sector, this, the spend is lower. So maybe that's not where the problem is. But there was another approach, which was, why do we work with an American strategy firms on topics that can be extremely strategic for France? In, in a context where we realize right now with, you know, indeed the Brexit, but also the impact of the pandemic and the supply chain and the, uh, the war in Ukraine, that we need to Go back to some energy sovereignty, industrial sovereignty. Why not intellectual one, right? And 
so the, the question here may be why we why didn't we work with a French or European champion? Well, the first thing you need to have in mind, I don't know if you've noticed, is that even in the large US consulting firms, most of the partners are French or German or English. In the, case, in the present case, we are dealing with the French expenditure, so those were French partners. But it's, uh, it's the current situation. Most uh, the market is dominated by the US players. And uh, if you want to have access to global projects, if you want to have access to global opportunities, uh, as a professional consultant, there is a very limited choice and you end up working for uh, a US company. The one thing we need to know also is that uh, some projects, and I would assume that is the case, especially for defense-related consulting assignments, you need a, a security clearance. And uh, only the Europeans will have that. And you will not see, <laughs> I don't think we, you will see, uh, US, uh, US partners flying in uh, from, uh, from New York on highly strategic and confidential uh, European projects. I had, as an individual, the exact opposite problem when I moved to the US and wanted to work on aerospace projects, and they all required to have a green card, which I didn't have. And uh, that was a way to, uh, to impose a kind of sovereignty from, uh, from, the, from the US side. This, this being said, one can ask why the European partners are not in European companies. I'm pretty sure they would love to, but there are not so many European champions. And uh, as I just mentioned, it's quite difficult to, to find a job in a large consultancy that will have access to large consulting projects with large clients in a European setting. And uh, the other thing is that each time a European firm starts to reach a given level of critical mass in terms of business, they end up acquired by a U.S. company. And this uh, is the, the trend we observe everywhere in the world. You have the same thing happening in the Middle East. You have the same thing happening in Asia. As soon as you start being noticed, you end up on the radar screen of the M&A teams of the large consulting firms, and, uh, and you end up uh, being, being acquired. The market in itself will not change the situation because there is some kind of logic to it, aligning the global corporations with global corporations, the impulse can only come from the clients. If they want to, if they have the willingness to, to, uh, to favor the emergence of local champions, they can. Nothing is preventing them uh, to push in this direction. Nothing is preventing them from uh, uh, assigning projects or clusters of projects to European groups, and uh, those groups will have to recruit, and then they will tap into the partners of the, of the US firms. Uh, it's only through the willingness of the clients or the regulation that you can uh, change the market. The market itself will not evolve for, uh, for the sake of, uh, of pleasing the public. There's still an issue here in the fact that you know, the US government has legally access to the data from any US company anywhere in the world. So it's quite difficult to enforce the Chinese role in practicality. And uh, you, you can say whatever you want, that the data must be stored on, uh, on European servers. You still have this risk of access to, uh, to the information. Uh, but solving this sovereignty question is not all. Because once the regulators will be done with the, uh, the sovereignty questions, then they can start looking at the conflict of interest uh, that are emerging, where consultants are at the same time uh, helping governments to set the policies and helping the companies to either implement them or work around them. Uh, I remember some articles about uh, uh, some um, US companies where um, 
specialists were wondering if the company was not in itself a systemic risk for financial services. And uh, you could see, you could read recently uh, articles about um, uh, politics in uh, in Florida, where McKinsey is in the middle of uh, another <laughs> another scandal, uh, having put in their proposal that uh, the company should work with them because of what they know and uh, who they work with. Uh, clearly stating black and white in the proposal that they are working with the regulators and that as a consequence, they could be beneficial for the client, a pharmaceutical company, if I remember well, uh, to, uh, to work with them. This raises the question of uh, how decisions are made. Uh, is there some uh, ethics, some governance uh, in the way we, we engage the, the consultants, uh, especially in the public sector? So it's true. I think that the first thing that comes to mind is to implement a smart mix of demand management and make or buy. So demand management is all about working on the right project, making sure that you spend your money on what is most strategic. And actually, if you look closely at the report from the Senate in France, you see that the only um, ministry who applied some sort of demand management system has, that's that ministry has the lowest spend compared to other ministries. So it means that that's a way to put things in control, but that's not enough, as you were saying. Um, so it was the Ministry of Defense, right? That was the Ministry of Defense. That wanted right? to be in command and control. Yeah, command and control. Makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, so, but there's another part which we mentioned is, is kind of twofold. One is um, make sure that it makes sense to work externally. And that makes sense goes to two things. One is um, do we need those skills? Are they important for us in the future? And the other one is confidentiality. I would there are also, of, of course, other parameters, but these are the more important. Mm. And, and that comes to make or buy analysis that procurement leaders know very well, and it applies to consulting. It applies very well. And doing that make or buy, a make or buy analysis will help them not only look at the, um, the relevance of externalizing the project, but also who they can work with depending on the level of confidentiality mm. and the level of skill they want. And so, so you could work, for instance, with uh, uh, either uh, some key members of the administration being mandated uh, on a special projects, so for projects that have a confidential nature, or you could even set up a, a specific task force, uh, like you have the Cour des Comptes to audit. You could have a, a specific, uh, I don't know, government excellence task force uh, that would gather former consultants and have your own uh, team that works on uh, uh, strategic projects uh, on behalf of the French government, being totally independent from uh, any private company. Is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is kind of the first step, is that you know I am spending right and am I right to externalize this specific project? When then, then yeah, okay, we're decided we're, we're going for, for a project, then you need to work with the right suppliers. Mm -hmm. And I think that one thing that may not be well understood, and it's not specific to the public sector, once again, is that each project has specific needs. It means that even if they might look like the same, the, the, the skills that you require and, and the type of consulting firm they can work on is not necessarily the same. And, you know, consultants are not commodities. You cannot take one and then change with another one. It's not how it works. Each one has a very specific skill set. And if you really want to optimize your, your, the use of them, the impact you get from them and the money you invest in the project, you need to uh, take, you take, take that into account. And what does that mean? It means that you need to identify very finely your needs. 
So we're talking refinement RFP. You need to, to know exactly what you want to do and what type of profile could help you get there. That's kind of the first step. And then you have a second step that is that you need to have a system in place that is flexible enough. So within a given capability, let's say strategy, for instance, you have several suppliers that have a slightly different profile. They can get to your needs. So we, we talk, we're talking here about anticipating your needs and making sure that you have a panel of suppliers that can answer most of your needs. And then you need also to have some room for getting a last-minute consulting firm in that have the exact very niche expertise that you're looking for. The one thing I, I saw in the, in the report from the, the Senate Commission that really struck me is that there was a first mistake made by assigning uh, entire lots to a, a given consultancy. So if you win the strategy bucket, then you get all the strategy projects. Mm -hmm. Then you cannot be blamed for having one. You can only blame the one that decided to put in place a system that gives everything to the same guy without having to go through another competition anytime there is a new project. But on top of that, they have separated the strategy bucket and the implementation bucket. But if you've worked on the strategy, you get a priority right, droit de suite, to have the, the right to support the implementation. When indeed, it was another guy that had won the implementation bucket. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that, to me, is, is a bit shocking because when you analyze the fees that were collected by those companies that worked on strategy, like say to name, to name the one that had the, the, the lion's share, uh, they tend to have two-thirds of their revenues on the implementation when, indeed, they end up using the same daily rates for an implementation work that should be invoiced at uh, the value of the implementation that is much lower, sometimes half, if not one-third, of the value of the daily rates for, for strategy. And I don't mind having this draw the suite, provided the daily rates are adjusted to the market rates. Yeah. And, and this is not happening today. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, and there's another thing also that we observe is that when, when a consulting project is launched, the, the management tends to disengage. Okay. And it's, again, not specific to the public sector. But the problem is that you are jeopardizing the, the chances of success of your project because you can't get um, the optimal results. Mm -hmm. What you need to do as a client is to ensure that your requirements are respected and your results are delivered on time and quality. Mm -hmm. And that goes through putting in place a project management team. That means putting the consultant in the right conditions collaborating with them, giving them the information, making sure they have access to the right people. It means aligning the, the internal stakeholders and getting the support from the top management. And it means putting in place a government to steer the project. If we, if we make a parallel for those that are listening to us without having the experience of working with consultants on a regular basis, when you are hiring someone to redo your kitchen or your bathroom, you don't just hire the guy, and then show up three months later to make sure that everything went according to plan. You will go uh, on a regular basis, check things. Uh, you will have some uh, trade-offs to decide on. You will have uh, some decisions to make that are either lead time, budget, quality, looks uh, of what you are, you're asking for. But you don't just let uh, the service provider uh, take care of everything 
and then expect to have exactly something that matches what you wanted in the first place. Yeah, and it's actually a very good transition to kind of the, the last aspect that I wanted to talk about, which is um, the performance measurement. I think that indeed in the consulting space, we tend to consider that as a black box and not uh, measure the performance of the project, not measure if this project brought us the impact that we paid for. Mm -hmm. And this is really important because you, that's the only way you can have a panel that always fits your needs and you can work with the best ones, make sure who is working on what subjects very well. And, um, and also you keep your, your suppliers on, your, on their toes. I mean, procurement executives are used to do that, but they don't do that in the consulting space, which is a huge mistake. And, and you have a lot of uh, surveys and rankings that are available uh, on uh, a lot of other categories. But when it comes to, uh, to consulting, the only rankings you find, the one from Statista, for instance, that's published on a regular basis, is, is a brand recognition survey. Have you heard about this company? Well, have you ever heard about that company? Have you ever worked with that company? There is just absolutely nothing about, would you work with this company again? <laughs> or uh, is this company delivering actually value for money? And uh, this is a big flow in, uh, in today's uh, uh, information. But what is interesting, I mean, in the relationship we have with the consultants is that they want feedback. Yeah. They crave for a measure of their performance, for feedback from the client on a technical, on a, um intrapersonal skill standpoint, on expertise. That's something they want and because they want to improve how they work with the client. They want to better understand the clients. So actually, most clients feel like they're going to break the relationship with a consultant, they're going to make that work less well. And that's the opposite that is happening. The reverse is also true. The, the clients would like to get some feedback from the consultant on what went well, what they should have improved. And this does not exist at all because no consultant will ever say or take the risk to say, well, you could have done this better and that better if there is not a kind of a trust environment uh, and a mutual relationship that is therefore uh, that is established. On the first project, you don't give this kind of feedback to a client. Because you don't, you don't want to jeopardize the next project by giving a feedback that would be too harsh on the, on the first one. But coming back to our, uh, to our initial question, Hélène, what, what's, your, uh, what's your conclusion? Do you, do you think the, the, the government is pouring too much money? Uh, why is the government pouring so much money? And why all the fuss around this? I think that the first thing that you know, we need to be aware of that we just out of an election period. And it was a presidential election, and that was, you know, um, Macron that was uh, the incumbent president. So obviously, that that controversy was amplified by this context. Um, but all in all, if you look really at the numbers, France is not out of tracks compared to neighbors like the UK and Germany, and or even private companies. That's that's kind of rather normal and on the low end actually. Another point is that McKinsey only represent a few percent of the consulting spend and has benefited, it's true, from an ill-conceived procurement process. But I, like, don't know, I don't know why they thought it was a good idea to show a wrong calculation on the percentage they really represent. That was not very smart of them, but I fully agree that even if you take the high case, they are at 5% of the consulting spend in France, which is nothing. Yeah, and, and there are many other firms that are in the same situation. And I'm sure they're very thankful for McKinsey to take the hit for the team, right? 
And, um, but what we saw in the report, what we saw in that report is that a large part of those consulting expenses are devoted to digital transformation of the public sector, sector and the management of the pandemic. And it's really difficult to know if they could have done better without the help of the consultants. But we can still identify some areas of progress on how the French government is using, buying, and managing consulting. And it means applying some, you know, consulting procurement best practices, such as demand management, make or buy, panel management, project management, and performance management. But for those who are interested in reading more about it, and if you want to particular French, because it's a French, uh, an article written in French, I invite you to read my article on Medium called McKinsey, Vrai Polémique ou Faux Procès. Uh, you will find the link in the comments. And that marks the end of our podcast. Next week, I want to talk about this, why the scope of a project is so essential in consulting. So stay tuned. Until then, stay safe and happy sourcing. And if you have other questions about this controversy or on how governments could buy consulting more efficiently, you can always contact me directly on LinkedIn or by email because I'm always game for a chat. Bye-bye and see you next week. Au revoir. Bye, Helen. You've been listening to Smart Consulting Sourcing, the only podcast about consulting procurement and how to buy consulting services. Pro tips on how to use consulting, buy consulting, and manage it. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit the website at consultingquest.com. Check out the blog at consulting.wiki and find the ebook Smart Consulting Sourcing, a step-by-step guide to getting the best ROI from your consulting. Available on Amazon and other online sellers. Find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. For questions and comments, send an email to ellen.lafitte at consultingquest.com. See you next time.